This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 300, How to Stay Motivated and Get Wealthy. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book, Free of Charge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 300th episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm so proud and thankful for all the team that helps make this show happen. I want to thank every single one of you listening to this show. We certainly wouldn't keep doing this if there wasn't a great crowd of people desperately clamoring for not-so-average financial strategies and concepts. So thank you, my dear listener, for being along with me on this incredible adventure. Let's get into how we can stay motivated to get wealthy. Now, the average lifespan shows that we'll live approximately 27,375 days on Earth. Now, you might not know precisely how today might turn out. Will it be a you know, garbage kind of day, or is it going to be a great day? Are good things happening, bad things happening? Will life throw you curveballs consistently and constantly rearranging your preconceived notion of what you were hoping to accomplish today? Or maybe you're given an enormous gift today, or perhaps you're faced with a debilitating sickness, unfortunately, that takes you out for three weeks. Another day, maybe you get that incredible slam dunk of an experience, a fantastic experience with your family or close friends that you'll remember forever. Transcendent spiritual experiences, other incredible moments that really makes life worth living. We just don't know. Every day is an adventure. Morgan Snyder, he's the author of Becoming a King, says, live by the day, measure by the decade. I love that quote. I think too often we lose our motivation because we focus on too short a time horizon. Let's live by the day and measure by the decade. So don't let one day whether it's good or bad, totally define your life. Each day is just like a Plinko chip falling down your life's Plinko board. You have over 27,000 Plinko chips, guys. And while no one can control where they fall, if you own the board, if you create a system in which you can watch your days move down that board, you'll win more often than not. And you'll know what to do when days go wrong. How do you do that? I think it starts by building a proper mindset into your daily routine. You can often get stuck focusing on what's missing. I certainly can. Focusing on what's not there yet. Focusing on the gap in your life. But Dan Sullivan says, don't focus on the gap. Instead, focus on what you've gained. How far have you come in your life so far? Look at the distance between where you were and where you are today. Look at your net worth sheet if that's helpful. That's one metric. But don't forget to look at other important metrics as well. For example, how many memories have you made with your family and friends? How is your health doing in relation to where you were a year ago today? That's one thing I like to do to get and stay motivated. But here in 
kind of a rapid fire succession are nine other ways to get you up and ramped up and ripped up and ready to stay motivated in pursuit of your bigger and better future. Here's a few more. Number one, add a zero to your goals. If you've got a financial goal, maybe it's an income goal, just add a zero to your goal and watch your motivation soar. Number two, find a mentor and be a mentor. Nothing will get you more motivated than mentoring someone else to reach their goals. Number three, starve your fear. Fear feeds on time. So you got to learn how to starve your fear. Do the thing that scares you first and foremost in the morning. Number four, remove negative people and sources in your life. Don't read the news. If that's negative, get it out of your life. Instead, be the news. Number five, write down a win at the end of each day. And then look over them and compile all of your wins over the course of the week. Number six, read just-in-time books. Don't read just-in-case books. I don't need just-in-case information. I need just-in-time information. Number seven, set targets with deadlines. Use smarter goal frameworks that we've talked about in other episodes. To set a smart goal is fine, but set a smarter goal and you'll make sure that you have a motivation to get to that target. Number eight, incorporate fitness and play into your regular life every day if possible. Number nine, remember what people think of me is none of my business. That's a great one to remember. What people think of me is none of my business. And here's a bonus for sticking with me to the end. Get rid of distractions. Stop watching the news and Netflix. Don't do any of that stuff until you're hitting your financial goal. Until you get wealthy, stop watching the news. Stop watching Netflix. The news will keep you from getting wealthy, technically. It's really designed to do that. It's designed to keep you focused on them and not designed to give you a sense of control, certainly, over your life. And it's certainly not there to give you skills and tools you need to get wealthy. Now, Judd Brewer, a psychiatrist specializing in anxiety and habit management, has seen an increase in anxious behavior since the year 2020 and the pandemic. Patients of his have shown habits like binge-watching Netflix or eating for comfort to distract themselves from anxiety. And he was writing an article in the Harvard Business Review, and I thought it was really fascinating. He talks about how the human brain urges a person toward distractions in times of anxiety. Distractions in times of anxiety. Can you relate? It's biologically wired to scan for food. Our brain is biologically designed to scan for food and danger. And it'll release dopamine in anticipation of a delicious meal or a saber-toothed tiger. When a behavior is learned, dopamine is associated with it. Cravings and urges to act are incorporated. So distraction, I would say, is our modern-day avoidance of the unknown worlds, the unknown dangers. So it creates this habit loop that's not really healthy or helpful to us in the long term. People really must begin to understand their mind, their brain, and the habits that they've developed and begin to work with their mind to incorporate better habits. So this might involve identifying the trigger, the distraction behavior, and the reward of an unwanted habit loop. So for example, watching countless hours of news and exploring why you like that. Why is it so rewarding to watch all that? Distractions become a problem when the reward of watching that news cycle or whatever stops being rewarding and starts becoming destructive. So one way to unhook from all these negative habits that keep us stuck is to build and hang on to a totally different framework. I want you to imagine a little bean plant beginning to grow. 
Bean plants climb whatever structure they find, and it becomes almost impossible to untangle them once they truly become wrapped around that little garden fence, for example. But it's important to realize that structure is what keeps that plant healthy. Bean plants, certainly they can grow without a trellis. They've been doing just fine before humans came around. But providing a trellis or support actually improves the growth and the yield of the bean plant, or a grapevine too, for that matter. Without a trellis, bean plants will grow like a bush, just sort of beans closer to the ground, writhing all over the place. Beans on the ground like that make them more susceptible to diseases, certainly to pests. Also, when the beans touch the ground, they can rot and become spoiled. Now let's think about providing a trellis, which allows the beans to grow upward toward the sun. It increases their air circulation, it reduces the risk of disease, and it makes it even easier, certainly, to harvest the beans, ultimately, too. So I think humans are not much different than beans. All right, so maybe I've got a slightly higher view of human nature than beans, but you get what I mean here. We also need a trellis, an organizational structure to help us grow and thrive. We need rhythms and relationships that create, redeem, sustain, and transform our lives. My question is, what sort of structures do you keep in your life to keep you motivated? Do you have, as Margaret Gunther, an Anglican spiritual director calls it, a kind of spiritual budget? What is a spiritual budget? And how do we budget it? Well, I believe we have four ultimate currencies in our life, only one of which is money. So you might be wondering, what are the other three ultimate currencies? Well, for example, how about your attention? Think about it. This is why we pay attention. Paying attention means it's a resource. It's a scarce, very finite resource. And what we pay attention to will appreciate in our hearts and in our souls. And I mean that in two ways of using that phrase. Appreciation has two meanings. So just like in finances, we might only have a certain amount that we can put our soul or attention to. So the question of budgeting is, how will I prioritize my finite resource? You know, how will I put my money to work? Or in this case, how will I prioritize my finite attention? So this is the process of budgeting our attention. I only have so much to give emotionally, spiritually with my attention. How am I going to spend what I have? How am I not going to go into bankruptcy every single day with my attention? People, companies, governments are throwing themselves into attention bankruptcy. And while there are certainly real cases of this, we have an overdiagnosis of attention deficit. We're running a deficit in our attention currency. So I'd like to ask, is it possible that our attention deficits are causing our financial deficits? Let that sink in for a minute. Is your attention deficit part of what's causing your financial deficit? So we don't have time to get into each of these, but the other ultimate currencies in your life besides money and attention are time and energy. Each of these are actually required to have their own budget as well. So we need to understand how to budget our money. Some of us might even understand budgeting our time, you know, if you've got a calendar, for example. But I'd say very few of us truly understand our energy levels and where are you most productive during the day. For example, what time of day are you at your highest energy? When do you need to do low energy tasks to help you recover? This is a kind of budgeting of your energy. So let's go back to that bean trellis that I talked about a few minutes ago. Think of budgeting 
these four ultimate currencies as the trellis for your overall life. When you budget your time, energy, attention, and your money, you're creating a trellis for your whole life. A regular pattern of repeating events, priorities, practices. You can bend and twist and hang on to that trellis through the chaos of life. This means having regular patterns of activity built around priorities that you want to make and take throughout your life. And it's literally taking control of your financial future. This is what it looks like to have a spiritual budget in many ways. But more than just your finances, it's about learning to see yourself in the future and then looking at your current self and deciding what needs to be kept, what needs to change. When we take control of our four ultimate currencies and we start to see progress climbing up the trellis of our life, you better believe we're going to be getting straight up motivated to reach our goals. The human life is not just designed to languish on the ground, letting our best fruits rot. We're designed to grow, to reach our potential, much like that little bean plant. So give yourself some structure, not too much that it constricts you or confines you, but just enough that you're not writhing about in the dirt like a bean plant without a trellis. Maybe this means doing some journaling every day or walking outside in nature. Maybe it's a spiritual practice that you keep every week. Make sure that they are built around healthy habits. And, you know, honestly, the actual activity is less important than your commitment to keeping it. And what if you fail? Or what if the habit is turns out not to be great for you anymore? No problem. Bean plants have hundreds of little tendrils that lead to nowhere. Take a look at a bean plant. Reaching out into the abyss, this little tendril, looking for something to hold on to and only to find nothing. But it for sure knows that it's found something solid when it holds on to that little trellis and begins to climb. So what are you doing in the morning, in the middle of the day, in the evening, just to stay motivated toward reaching your goals? How are you using the four ultimate currencies of time, energy, money, and attention to work in your favor rather than it all working against you? Please keep in mind that currencies can be traded. You can trade your time, energy, money, and attention for assets or for liabilities. This is why we spend our energy, why we invest our time. This is why we pay attention. It's not an accident that we use these phrases. It's because they are core currencies to helping us navigate our finite existence on planet Earth. So if you want to become wealthy, learn how to manage your four ultimate currencies well. And as you begin to track your budget, as you begin to invest your time, energy, money, and attention into assets versus liabilities, you'll begin to see your net worth begin to grow. But more than that, your entire well-being will begin to appreciate in its value as well. In fact, let's face it, we're looking at more than just a net worth sheet here. I think it's helpful to think about net worth more than just a money number. When we begin to think about the four ultimate currencies, we start to see that we can build up a net wealth sheet. And I'm spelling that with W-E-L-L-T-H. Net wealth helps us reframe the value of family, faith, friendships, and fitness, not just our finances. Some say actually that you spend the first half of your life spending your health to get your wealth, and you spend the second half of your life spending your wealth to try to get back your health. 
seems like a pointless endeavor to me. What if instead we incorporated a more holistic understanding of wealth in the first place? By incorporating, as Rabbi Lapin says, your family, faith, friendships, fitness, and finances, you're developing a complete understanding of yourself. And by budgeting your four ultimate currencies of time, energy, money, and attention, you'll be laser-focused on increasing your holistic picture of wealth. So learning to understand your net wealth might just transform your understanding of success in this game of life. And who wants to have a big pile of money and no friends to spend it with and without the good health to enjoy it yourself? Life is this big game. In fact, some call it the infinite game. In fact, one of my favorite quotes about money and finance is Gloria Steinem's quote. She says, the rich people plan for three generations while the poor people plan for Saturday night. The hard part is we don't know our future. We don't know what Saturday night looks like, much less three generations, and we don't know what our future self really wants. I might want ice cream right now, but I think that I want a positive experience in retirement as well, where I'm not going to be starving to death and eating cat food for dinner. The difficulty comes in favoring my ice cream right now and typically discounting my experiences of eating cat food in the future. So when I sit down to talk with folks, as a certified financial planner, as I sit down to talk with folks in an advisory consultation, having our financial analysis meeting, it's kind of a sacred act. Meeting with individuals or spouses together, I ask them about what the future holds for them. We try our very best to paint a picture of what that looks like for them in the future. And sometimes the word retirement comes up, and I ask them to try to define that word, what that word means for them. Sometimes spouses have similar ideas, but often they have very different pictures of what retirement even means. How old are you when you are wanting to pull back from work? Are you on a beach somewhere? Are you still working part-time? Are you close to the grandkids? Are you traveling the world? To make matters more complex, our belief about what we want for our future self might even change over time. Who you are today and who you think you'll be in the future can get cloudy very quickly. This concept of identity and change over time is something that humans have really struggled with for hundreds, thousands of years. Some might remember the classic story of the ancient Greek hero Theseus, who sailed on a ship, went on a grand adventure, and he started with his ship of Theseus, but over the course of the adventure, the ship was eventually replaced plank by plank until none of the original wood planks of that ship remained. The philosophical question posed is whether the ship is still the same ship when it arrives at its harbor, despite it being completely replaced board by board. This can be seen as a metaphor to the highlight of the illusion of continuity in our own lives. Just as this ship's identity is questioned, when its original parts are replaced, is it possible we could also fail to recognize the changes in our own identity as we evolve over time? We tend to imagine ourselves as being fundamentally the same guy, same gal, both now and in the future, when we think of ourselves, we just think of an older version of our current self, even though our perspectives, preferences, and experiences might dramatically change our identity. So this illusion of continuity can honestly have profound consequences in every aspect of life, but also in matters related to finance and life and death. Take, for example, I, I was meeting with a client recently who was diagnosed with a terminal illness. This picture of retirement that she originally brought to me when we first met had dramatically changed when she realized that she may not be around long enough to have all the experiences that she expected her future self would have 
So because of these major changes in her wood planks on her ship, you might say, she instead is now spending her remaining months having the best quality experience possible with her kids and grandkids, making the best memories with her loved ones today, right now. So life after full-time work should not be a scary prospect. But people worry about losing their identity, what they'll do, whether or not they'll outlive their assets. This is an engaging and encouraging conversation. It's one of my favorite parts of the work I get to do. This is not just retirement, but rewirement, as Jamie Hopkins calls it. And we spoke about this on episode 184, if you want to dive deeper. This is the full life after full-time work. And it allows you to conquer these irrational fears, put yourself in the driver's seat of not just today, but in the future as well. Understanding, of course, that your financial situation is in your control in your direction, you're moving toward the happiest time of life's journey. It's often called retirement, but that label, I think, is pretty negative. That's why I like the phrase that Jamie Hopkins uses, uh, rewirement. So it's far from the end of life. It's the start of something new. It's rewiring everything else. Everything that you've done previous was simply a prologue. Most people's instinctive reaction to thinking about it is something like, wow, Retirement, this is so complicated. This money thing, too many choices. I have no idea what to do about it. Wouldn't even know where to start, so I'm just going to ignore it and pretend it's not happening. But when we sit down with our clients and look over their financial futures, we build a framework to make sure that they can make their own decisions and they're never painted into a corner. This gives them a perspective, gives them a feeling of control, but they're not locked into a certain outcome whenever they need to make a change. If they need to replace some planks on their ship as they cross the sea of life, it goes from something that's scary to something fairly exciting. So by building, sorry to mix metaphors here, but by building that trellis, back to that previous image of the bean trellis, it's something that you can begin to lean on. When you have a financial strategy that's sound, you can make your way through life And specifically with bank-on-yourself type policies and indexed annuities, both provide a guarantee that there will be a certain financial outcome. For the plans, outcomes are really determined before you even begin to fund your account. Imagine how that would feel to start on a journey, know exactly where you're going, exactly what it will look like when you get there. Most people don't go on a long road trip these days without using an app to help them with directions. They know each turn that's going to be made, and even when traffic might be building up. If we use these detailed apps and softwares and plans to get to our Airbnb this weekend, wouldn't we want to use the same kind of strategy or approach for something as big and as important as the rest of your life? So until you see what I'm talking about, it's really hard to imagine looking at a tabular detail or an illustration from an insurance company that shows each year the policy giving you a guaranteed increase of your cash value or the annuity giving you a guaranteed income in retirement. It's truly remarkable, something I could never do with Wall Street. This actually gives us the capacity to build a plan. Go figure. How cool is that? So to me, this is the best way to get and stay motivated, to know that I'm working on a plan that has absolute certainty of working. I've met too many people who've lost years of their life and their retirement income in just the most recent year, in 2022, as markets were tumbling. So if you can build a solid financial tool set into your portfolio, you'll find success. So if you'd like to have a conversation with me or one of my colleagues as we prepare for the year ahead and the years ahead, reach out to me 
or one of my team members by going to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and clicking on Request a Meeting. We can go over a high-level financial flyover of your financial situation and learn more about what you're hoping to accomplish with your life. How will you reach for the skies? I get so excited helping people reach their goals, and I cannot wait to hear what yours might be. And with all that, I wanted to thank you for 300 episodes in the can, and we got another 300 to go at least. I can't wait to see what's possible here. Thank you for joining me on this exciting adventure of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you to think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.